I just wanted to um, just commend Luke to you. I remember being part of a church some years ago where we basically, it was a small church, we had a team of three elders and we basically used to do most of the preaching. And somebody who hadn't been at the church very long came up to me and said, uh, I've just noticed it's just the three of you doing the preaching. I want to have a go at that. And I sort of had to explain it wasn't a question of having a go. Uh, and so when Luke is standing up here, or whoever's standing up here, male or female, whatever age they are, they're not just having a go. They are people we trust and rely on. And so I want to commend Luke to you this morning. And I just want to pray for him. I want you to pray for him, that he will feel that he's got the strength to get through this, because it's quite a daunting task. Uh, so will you join me as we just pray for him? Yeah, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you've given us men and women like Luke who can uh, share the word, who can tell us about who you are and the truths and the difference that you've made to their lives. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that the words that he's speaking will become illuminated. They'll, they'll be like we're seeing a pop-up version of this for the first time. And Lord, that we will take away something that will do us good in the coming weeks and months. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so as Len said, my name's Luke, and I'm part of the family here at Hope Church. And it's my privilege to talk to you about um, the last kind of section on Ephesians today. We've kind of been going for a few months, haven't we, as a church, and um, perhaps you've just joined us since we've moved into this new building. And I think part of one of the reasons why we have looked at this uh, book in Ephesians, because it focuses on much about identity, so who we are in Christ and being grounded in him. So we don't, you know, we come to this new building, we haven't arrived, you know, we're not um, like celebrities or professionals, but we are grateful to God for this building because it's going to enable uh, lots of um, uh, good works and um, opportunities for others to come close to the Lord. So um, we're going to speak on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20, and for these last few weeks we've been hearing from Morris and Tim, and it's like this little mini-series on spiritual warfare. So Morris spoke on be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And he, um, if you uh, watched it, you can see it on YouTube. Um, he spoke a lot about this, about us as a church, us as a people, um, standing on the word of God in our ever-changing ever uh, you know, culture and um, how liberal it is. And actually, uh, as, as Christians, this is what we have. This is our offensive weapon. And um, if you haven't seen that, I would encourage you to watch that. It's on YouTube, or you can watch it on SoundCloud as well. And we also heard from Tim Virgo last week about be prepared. So how do we be prepared? Well, as we heard, it was be strong in the Lord. It's being prepared in the Lord as well. So we looked at the armor of God, and the armor of God represents someone, namely Christ. So he's our righteousness, you know, our helmet, our shoes, our, our belt of truth, and so forth. That all these, uh, you know, these six pieces of armor represent someone. And it always brings us back to Christ. And today we're going to look at being fearless. So I'm going to focus on application a lot today. And we're going to go somewhere today. I'm going to, there's some things I'm going to be speaking of which I just feel like appropriate for uh, not just in this moment, but just in the, the times to come. Actually, we need to expose something today which is part of uh, kind of our offense against the enemy. So um, if you've got your Bible, can turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. And it should be up on the screen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the open of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I'm proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you that we are your people, we are your, your bride, your church, your beloved. And Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd help uh, me to, to share as I ought to speak. Uh, carefully, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that our hearts will be open to you. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, we want to meet with you, Lord. We want to uh, fellowship with you this morning, even as we just listen, Lord, as we unpack your word together, Lord. We want to become more and more like you, Lord Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And just a little book recommendation. So this is from uh, Mike Betts, so everyone a witness. So we're part of a family of churches in relational mission. And um, you may have had um, an orange book called The Way of Life. Mike's always done a, a purple one or a pink one today uh, called Everyone a Witness. It's really just a really simple, accessible way. It's full of testimonies and stories. And just as a people, as Christians, part of our like really foundational is, is just witnessing. So we're not all evangelists, but we're all called to be witnesses uh, in our workplaces and our neighborhoods and so forth. Um, but this is just fun and really encouraging. Again, simple read. May I encourage you to... Uh, get a copy of this. It's probably about, about $8.99 on Amazon, so it's not too much. Um, and if anyone wants to have this at the end of the service, please just come along. I've, I've got this one spare. So, um, And just on the back of that, I just remember just a quick story before we go in. Um, I was just at work the other day, and I remember a, a colleague just, you know, I normally, as, as a Christian, you know, I normally go in and I'm kind of, you know, keep, keep, it, keep, keep quiet in some ways and then wait to be exposed. And I remember a colleague who's quite new there just asked a question about forgiveness. She knew I was a Christian. And it's really such a privilege, you know, in our workplaces, in our day-to-day, that people, you know, when we're modeling, when we're abiding in Jesus, people start to ask questions. And um, I got to speak a bit about Christ and, you know, about his death and resurrection. And it's just so, it's so, it's so humbling to know that we have, God has rescued us and we get to share with others. Uh, just simply, just sowing things in and then trust that God will bring the growth, and God will actually, you know, if he wants to, he can bring back another conversation. So just, it's just in our everyday life, uh, being available to people. So, verse 18, it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. So here we see the apostles telling us to, be, to, to pray at all times, and this prayer is supposed to be varied, so it's prayer and petition. Again, we see in the, the Apostle, if you read some of his letters, night and day he was praying, he was asking uh, churches to pray for him, and he was making mention of others in his prayers. You know, we just we turn back a page in your Bible, you see in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, Paul is praying for the church, he asked for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Christ. 
And he goes on in Ephesians 3 and talks about that. They would be able to comprehend what is the height, the depth, the breadth, the length of the love of Christ. And Paul himself was a, was a man of prayer. And we see that prayer is not to be uh, just when we feel like it, um, but at all times, he says, uh, not just on a Sunday, but at all times, in all moments, whether that's internally or externally. And I understand that when we think about praying at all times, that seems quite a high bar to, to do. And I know that within my own life, that isn't something I exercise all the time, but that's something I suppose as a, as a people we want to grow into obedience. And you know, maybe you're a, a new Christian today and you've just started on that journey and you're, maybe you, you've got your, you know, your quiet time in the morning and maybe you speak to the Lord in, in the evening. But I suppose as we, as we go, as we grow, we, we learn that actually this prayer is just part of our lifestyle. It's just part of who we are. We're just uh, conversing with God. I know there are times where we would maybe set aside, as we see in Jesus' life, when he went away to a secluded place. But our lifestyle as Christians, we're in constant communication uh, with God. After all, it is a, a relationship with him. So in this lifestyle of prayer, the apostle urges the church to pray. And we need the grace of God. We need his help in this. And I think at times we may not even recognize that we're actually praying to God. Perhaps uh, you may not often speak out with words, and um, maybe you see that as, well, I'm not actually praying. But we're going to actually talk about that in a bit later. Uh, we're going to explore some ways of what it is to, to pray. Um, and just to say, the Lord is, is really thrilled uh, to, to hear us when we pray, because the Bible says that he first loved us, and it's not that we loved him, but he chose us. So there's something of... God is drew near to us. So when we draw near to him, he draws near to us, it says. So there's something of like, you know, there's a sense of he really delights in us just speaking to him, whatever we have to say at times. We don't often have to say a lot. Um, you know, we just say this is what's going on. He knows what's, you know, happening in our lives. And it's just, again, it's, we're brought into relationship, you know. He's not after our good works, but yet there are good works, but he's after our hearts, isn't he, first and foremost. So to pray at all times. So in light of our enemies, in light of the warfare that we're in, and just knowing that our enemies do not sleep. I'll say that again, our enemies uh, do not sleep. So it's important to keep praying. So but why is it important to keep praying? Well, just for one point, it keeps our souls from wandering. If you've been you know, at times in life where you just find you just wander away, uh, you know, it could be for 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or even a day, but you just recognize at times when we're not you know, in communication with the Lord, we can just, we're prone to wonder. And we see in 2 Samuel 11, King David, um, if you may have heard of King David, in, he's, you know, when we, I think when I was at Sunday school back in the day, he's one of the, you know, the big giants, the big heroes of faith, and um, um, yeah, he's like slayed Goliath and so forth. And it, there's a passage in the Bible in, in, in Samuel where it says that when kings go out to battle, uh, David stayed in Jerusalem. So God was giving uh, Israel victory after victory after victory, and David was the anointed king. And he stayed back at Jerusalem. He didn't go out into battle. And the story goes on, you know, when he, he sins against God, he goes into another man's wife and so forth, and it doesn't end well. Um, but what, the reason I say this is because at times this, may have, this could have been avoided, perhaps, if maybe David was, you know, occupied, if he didn't isolate himself but for sometimes, in, in, in certain moments of life, we just find that we can fall asleep. <laughs> and um, I know we see in Psalm 51, David's repenting, God restores him, praise God, thank you uh, for, for God in Christ, that we're, we're forgiven in him. Um, but I suppose as people, we want to just be able to just recognize, okay, what are those things where we're prone to wonder, where we can actually just fall away, because sometimes the temptations are so great, and um, we just don't want to put ourselves in positions which are just not going to be helpful. 
because it can blaspheme God's name and it undermines God. And as a Christian, you know, as we read of Paul a bit later on, he's an ambassador of Christ. So we're representatives of him, you know, and everywhere we are, if you bear the name Christian, it's a high calling, it says, it's a holy calling. We are representatives of him and we so need the grace of God and the Holy Spirit uh, to help us. We see a good example in Jesus. So in Hebrews 5, verse 7, it says that in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Now, I don't think this was just talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. I think in Jesus' lifestyle, it was a lifestyle of praying to the Father. As I said a bit earlier, he went over to a secluded place. In other accounts, he went up, rose up early in the morning to pray. He spent the night in prayer. Jesus, his lifestyle was before the Father. And everything that he did, he said, you know, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father doing. So Jesus modeled to us as a, as, as a you know, as an example of just like, this is... You know, it's, it's, it's that loud crying and tears. I know not often it's always like that, but there's a sense of dependency, and prayer is that language of dependency. The apostle goes on in verse 18 to say, a prayer at all times in the Spirit. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit, guys? Well, uh, you know, do we think that it's just praying in the gift of tongues all day long if, you know, if you're out and about and all you're doing is praying in the gift of languages, um, you know, in your workplace? I think people think you're crazy, a bit weird, and I think we'd all, yeah, it might be a stumbling block to them. We don't want to put stumbling blocks in the way of people because the world has enough of them, amen? So, but what, what is Paul trying to say here? Well, should we just go, should we just look at this together? So if you've got your Bible, so 1 Corinthians 14, we're just going to turn there. If you've got to go to the contents page, it's okay. There's no shame in that. I was in there the other day trying to find Daniel. It took me ages. So, yeah, 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to read verses 14 to 15. It says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So the apostle here is saying to the church in, Corinth, in, in the church in Corinth, if you praise in a tongue, his spirit prays. And if you see in, in if you see in your book, it says spirit with a lowercase s. He's talking about the human spirit. So when he says, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So it's the human spirit exercising the spiritual gift. Does that make sense? It's the human spirit exercising the spiritual gift. He goes on. What is the outcome then? I'll pray with the spirit, and I'll pray with the mind also. So he's praying with the, the heavenly language or the gift of tongues, but he's also praying with the mind also. So to really summarize it, it's praying in the spirit is with words not understood, obviously unless someone interpretates, or with words understood, praying with the mind. So these, here we see there are two types of praying in the spirit, and these are two ways that are, are needed to be reliant. These are not uh, separate things. We need the Holy Spirit to energize this type of praying. So that's with words not understood and with words Understood. So this is two ways of praying in the Spirit, as we read in Ephesians 6. And just to Romans 8, verse 26, if you just want to turn there as well. It's just the book before. Again, we often, the, the Apostle Paul writes, wrote this letter as well. So Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit, this is capitalized S, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, also helps our weakness... For we do not know the prayers we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Again, here we see a type of praying in the Spirit is with groanings too deep for words. So we could say without words. 
So we see just on the back of these two accounts in, in Corinthians and Romans, there's praying uh, with words, praying with words not understood, and praying with, without words. So these are three ways in which we are to be praying in the Holy Spirit. So whether you pray in tongues or words understood or deep groanings, uh, Paul is saying that it's in our praying that we need to be reliant on the Holy Spirit to guide us, energize us, sustain us. Uh, at all times. And this praying is not one-dimensional, it's multifaceted. Just an example, I remember a time when I was quite just vulnerable. I was, I was, I was in a bit of a, a rough spot, and I knew I needed to kind of turn myself to God, and I felt quite vulnerable and exposed, and I just wanted to eat some sweeties and some chocolate bars. You ever been there before? You just want to eat some sweeties and chocolate bars. But that was me, and I was so like, oh, Lord, what's going on? And I remember just sitting in my room, and it was just, it was just, it was, I was just praying to God. So I was looking at these three ones we've just looked at. So I was praying with the gift of languages. I was praying with words understood. I, I believe I was even praying with, without even words. And I'll tell you what, it lifted. That desire for what I wanted to go towards, actually, it shifted. So I can see that in our praying at all times, actually, it's a bit of a weapon. You know, it's about actually, it can, it can really get ourselves out of ourselves and turn our eyes to Jesus. And I don't know how it happened. But I just was, well, it's just, this is what it says. And it just done what, you know, the Spirit was helping me to do. But again, it's like, there's always opportunities for us in the moments where, I could say other stories, but there are moments where we just, we know that actually the one thing we don't want to do perhaps is to pray, because we don't necessarily feel like it. Our flesh is so governing us. But, I, but, but there, are, there are times in God where we can learn to just say, God, help me. I'll bring my little, and he delivered me from it. And... We read in Jude 20, it says that you are to build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So again, it's a part of building ourselves up, it's part of strengthening us, it's part of our offense and part of our defense. So we're just going to go to verse 18, verse B. So we've just discovered that Paul's saying, look guys, we need to pray, you, need, you guys need to pray at all times, you know, with all kinds of prayers in the Holy Spirit. And he goes on. So he's going from something personal, now he's going to one another. Should we, should we read that? It says, And with this in view, so of all that we've just said, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Be on the alert for one another. Ah. Well, we've just been reading, haven't we, in Ephesians these last few weeks about, in different chapters, about... The church, uh, we're basically God's household, Ephesians 2, the saints are a part of the household. We read in Ephesians 4 that we're one body, we're one spirit. So we're a household, we're a body, we're made up of many members. Ephesians 5, the saints are a part of Jesus' bride. So again, we're all of these things to God. And so we see that we're not isolated from one another, but divinely joined to one another in Christ. And you just think we are Christ's body, you know, Christ being the head. And we, the church, make up the members of the body. And we look at our human bodies, right, and we see that we all have different, you know, we have different parts, but we don't all have the same function. I wouldn't eat with my foot because that isn't what my foot is going to do, you know. I wouldn't, you know, smell with my ears because that's not what the function is for. But there's a diversity that God has given, and the Bible says that he's chosen deliberately where each person is to be placed, you know, that, and this is extraordinary grace. Like, God has decided that we would even be included in him. We are partakers of him. And it's the family. We're, a, like I said, church family. We look after family. We are, as we look after one another, we look after our own flesh, don't we? No one ever hated his own flesh, it says. 
but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Christ loves the church. He looks after his flesh. If there's weakness in the body, if there's an area of vulnerability, he's all over it. He wants to restore. He wants to make sure that we're growing strong and developing. And we have a part to play in praying for one another. There was a time when I used to live with some guys on 23 Hatfield Road. Um, I lived with some guys for a few years, and I, uh, it, was, it was such a good, a good time. I, I just was so uh, encouraged in the Lord because it, it taught me something about uh, the community, about one another, about persevering and praying for one another and standing with one another. And I was just, you know, was able to just experience and witness people's breakthroughs. And you're like, you're standing and you're praying, and you, you know, even when we stumble and fall, we get back up, we go again. And it just reminded me again, well, this is way bigger than just I. <laughs> it's not just all about, you know, me, 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 me. But actually, like, this is about other people uh, progressing on in the Lord. So why are we being alert for one another? Why is this kind of? Why are we moving from personally to then one another? Well. We read in Ephesians 4, didn't we, about God's manual for building the church. So he gave the fivefold ministries, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, till we all attain to unity of the faith. So are these different, there are these different ministries within the church, which are people. God has given people so that we would all grow into maturity. And it goes on a bit later on that it's actually according to the proper working of each individual part, Okay, not just a few, but every single person causes the growth of the body to build itself up in love. So we, we kind of are going somewhere. We are being prepared. We are, uh, if, if you think about it in what we just heard a bit earlier from what, what John was saying, we're, getting, we're going to be with the Lord. So in all of this, this is in all of our praying, in all of our petition, in all of our standing, and all of what we've been looking for these last few weeks, because actually we are getting ourselves ready for marriage. This is the big picture. This is the heavenly perspective. And this is what... With God's help, we just need to continually remind ourselves because the world has a way of reminding ourselves of all kinds of stuff that are not, not of God and not helpful and really are not going to help anyone, you know. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus at all times. And perhaps today, you know, you, you would say you are suffering in some measure, okay? And I would, I would encourage you to, to reach out to someone. I've known at times where I've, in places of vulnerability, I would call someone, they'd pray. And then something would shift. <laughs> Again, you're not necessarily, it's not like a formula, but you recognize that we are members of one another. So let's really look to utilize one another and believe God is in them and God wants to help you and God loves you. So if that's you, maybe you're in, that, you're in the bunker today. You're like, ah, oh, you know what? You just think, what's going on? There's an opportunity to come out of the bunker today, reach out to someone. So we're praying for other people's breakthroughs. We're praying that others would stand firm in God. We're praying uh, that others would please God in all respects. Why? Because the bigger picture is, is we, isn't it? It's we as a church. We don't do the church. We are the church. So when we're praying to God on behalf of others, we're basically uh, saying, God, would you be glorified through the church? We're praying that actually they would be, they would be fully assured and, 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 and understanding what God has called them to do and for them to live it out so that they can run their race well. We read in the Colossians 4, Epaphras, who was a, uh, one of Paul's friends, it says of him that he was a, a person who labored earnestly for others in his prayers that they may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. And it's just such an example to, I don't know, just, just for someone to be praying for you. Just, again, someone who grasps the big picture, someone who understands it's not all about me. He was a great example for us. So I think for us as a people, let us continue to pray for one another. 
Okay, I sometimes find it easy, you know, when someone would say to pray for them, sometimes I'll just grab them there and say, let's pray now. Because often, I don't know about you, but you can forget. And there's been times where, the, you know, the Holy Spirit will nudge you and you don't up, and you, it's probably about three or four times before you end up getting there. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's in life and busyness, we just sometimes forget to pray and it's like God would help us to see what our prayers would be doing uh, for one another. But let us pray. Let's not just pray on our own sort of private times, but praying for one another, uh, just being open about it in prayer, just being public in it, you know. And it's not always like that's, that's the only way, but really just to be transparent with one another as we increasingly are uh, living out as a family. Verse 19 and 20, and then we're going to get into our application. The apostle says, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the open of my mouth to make known with boldness, the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Here we see the apostles now saying, can you, can you pray for me? He's just all about prayer. He's like, can you guys pray for me? We just see that Paul's in prison. Okay, he's writing this in prison. And he asks for utterance. And another word for utterance in the original, he's asking for the logos, looking for the word, not just any word, but the word of Christ. He's looking to speak the Christ with all boldness. And, you know, if you look at his letters, he did not depend on his natural or acquired gifting. Paul's saying, I need your prayers. I need your prayers. He did not want his chains to hinder him from preaching, even in them. And we read about Paul that the gospel to him was, was a higher priority than his own life. You know, he said to live is Christ, to die is gain. He understood something of the bigger picture. And we see the evidence of just Christian warfare. He's in, he's in chains. He's in chains. Was it, was it, you know, he wasn't in chains saying, Lord, what, what, what's going on? I shouldn't be in chains. Surely I need to be preaching and going, doing this and doing that. Um, I need to be out there with all the people. But he didn't complain or grumble. He's praying, oh, guys, even when I'm in my chains, even when I'm in this limited space, can you just pray for me for when I do get opportunities that I speak boldly? You know, and... You know, we think about in your own life, are there things that kind of hinder you from, from speaking out about Jesus? You know, is it certain fears? Could just be a lack of equipping, feeling inadequate, feeling like self-conscious? It could be a variety of reasons. And enemy loves it to keep us quiet and silent about Jesus, you know, because it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe. And it's so pervasive, isn't it, in our cult? We just, we don't, you know, we're going to look about an application in a second, but like we're just, just trying to speak up. Sometimes we just feel so silent, you know, and but, you know, we read in 1 Corinthians 1 about, you know, God has chosen the foolish things, the weak things, the despised things, the base things. You know, he's chosen us. <laughs> he's chosen me to just speak about him. This is so unmerited and undeserved, and yet he calls us into um, his family. Paul's all about proclaiming Christ and him crucified. Christ and him crucified. So what I'm not saying here is we've got to be like Paul. Um, Paul was exceptionally gifted and graced by God. Um, again, I was saying a bit earlier, we're all members of one another, not of the same function. But we all are growing and learning to be a witness for him towards people. Okay? Some are more chatty, some are more loud. You can be chatty, loud, introverted, extroverted. But we can all grow in learning to be a witness for Christ. And it's crucial that we don't identify ourselves with ourselves. As in, we, we look around and compare ourselves and think, well, I'm not like this or like that. It's, it's just, it's really a... It's really a thief of joy because if you're in Christ, your identity is in him. So this is where it all comes from, just in him. This is all I am. I can, I can witness and you can step out because actually I'm in Christ and in him is all things for life and godliness. Like this is, 
where we get ourselves back towards him because Satan has a way of always taking our eyes off Jesus towards one another, towards ourselves, and how inadequate we are. And it's just day and night accusations, but praise God for as a Christian, your identity is in Christ and you have a part to play. And your, and your part is crucial. <laughs> it's so crucial. You may feel like you don't have much to bring. I'll tell you, bring what you, feel, bring what you can. Bring what you can. Do what you know that God's given you to do. What, what gives you life in Jesus? Go ahead and, and, and go forward with it. So, looking at this lifestyle of being fearless. You know, we've just been teaching on, some, on prayer. We're going to get into our application now. And there's just three points I'm going to speak on. And they all kind of build on to the next. And the first point is to take hold of the gospel. In order to live fearless lives, we need to come to the fearless one. The one who never lived in fear, he always lived in faith and love, Jesus Christ. So to take hold of the gospel. So to just make it clear as a, as a people, what is the gospel? Because a lot of people say many different things. So let's, re- let's just go to the scriptures. So 1 Corinthians 15. We've been there a bit this morning, but we're going to go a bit... Um, not so far into it. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4. The apostle says, Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So here we see the Apostle here telling the church in Corinth that, look, I've I've, I've preached the gospel, you've received it, and it's in which you stand in it, and it's it's, it's in which you are saved by it, um, unless you believed in vain. So... In verse 3 and 4, Paul says, he says, it's Christ's death and resurrection. That Christ died according to our sins, uh, for our sins according to the scriptures, and it was buried, and it was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So really, the, just the fundamental things is Christ's death and resurrection. Christ's death and resurrection. Christ dying for our sins. Christ uh, rising from the dead. It, there's this, it's very simple. It's not complicated stuff. Again, there's a way which the enemy would love to just complicate it. It's, 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 do, you know, it's Christ's death and resurrection plus your good works. It's, you know, it's just Christ's death. Just focus on his death. No, you need to know about his resurrection. <laughs> we, need to, we can't just have his resurrection or his, we need to have his death too. So again, we, just, we, need to, we need to give them both. When we're speaking to people about Christ, it's Christ's death and resurrection. Just very simply, this is what he did. Like, for example, you could, just go, you know, you could be in a conversation and someone says you're a Christian. And it's like, can I, can I just tell you what, what it is really about? You know, Christ, actually, you know what he did? He, he died for our sins. You know, you and I, our sins, our brokenness, our mess. And you know what? He didn't just stay dead, actually. He was buried and actually rose from the dead into newness of life, taking our sin upon himself and raising up us into newness of life. And just an example, it's just little ways of just getting gospel seeds in and saying this is what it is. Because the Bible says that one sows and one waters, but God brings the growth. And the power is in the seed. And the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And night and day it grows. He himself, he does not know. The sower doesn't know how it grows. But it starts to grow up. And you're thinking, how did he get here? Oh, wait, God's just owned it. It's always about God owning the message. So Christ's death and resurrection, not complicated stuff. And I want to speak to you today. If you're not in Christ, if you're not a Christian today, you know, you've just come along, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've come for weeks, and you've been hearing about Jesus, you've been hearing his word, and I just want to, I want to speak to you uh, just personally right now. Um, I want you to consider his work on the cross. 
You know, this is a free gift. A free gift. There's no hidden clauses. God has given us eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I'm just going to share with you guys just a few of those treasures of wisdom and knowledge that we find in Jesus Christ. Firstly, forgiveness. Forgiveness, our greatest need for forgiveness, eh? That we were enemies to God. We were offense to God. Our sins had taken us away from God. We turned 180 and we're going the way of the world and we need help. Do you know that you, we, we need help as, as people? The Bible says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And the world and the culture is saying, well, yeah, you're all right. You know, you're not as bad as this person. If you keep behaving, you know, if you don't go this far, you're okay. But really, we're at enmity against God. We need saving. But God has given us Jesus Christ. As we've been hearing about his death, he died for our sins. He's died for your sins, for my sins, our brokenness, our mess on the cross. Once and for all, pays off the debt. What was held, what, what, what we were charged guilty towards, God's already went ahead. He's initiated on our behalf. Do you know about his forgiveness? Do you know about it? Do you know your past, your present, your future, at the cross, taken away? Your conscience, clean. A clean conscience. No more, no, no more of like, oh, regrets. Because then you realize where they come from. You realize that Jesus is once and for all taking it away. And not just that. Do you know about his new covenant in his blood? What Jesus said. This is why we take communion. The new covenant in his blood. What it says in Hebrews 10 and in Jeremiah. That your sins and your lawless deeds I remember no more. It's liberating. There's no remembrance on God's end. Even There's no remembrance. It's, it's, it's not too good to be true. It is true. And we, uh, you know, I, I know in myself, guys, uh, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to believe it. Thinking, this doesn't, surely not. Surely not. But your sin and your lawless deeds, remember no more. There's forgiveness. And there's no more, no more of just reminding it and saying, no, do you remember this? Do you remember that? That isn't from the Lord. <laughs> okay? Spiritual warfare, spiritual enemies, reminding you of who you were when God is saying, no, this is who you are now. You're in me. Forgiveness. Do you know about his forgiveness? Secondly, justification. Justification. The Bible says you've been justified by faith. You have peace with God for our Lord Jesus Christ. So by faith, we access this grace, this, this gift of basically being made right with God. Justification, being made right with God. You're clothed in his righteousness. You have peace with God. You're made right with God, just as if you never sinned. It's glorious stuff. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the gospel, guys. This is what he's done for us in Christ. You have peace with God. This is, what, this is what he has for us. And I say to you, do you know about his justification? Do you know about peace with God? That you can walk about day to day and knowing that, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, you know? I'm okay. He's got me. He saved me. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. Thirdly, adoption. Adoption. Adoption of sons and daughters. This is extraordinary. Okay, we're not just let off the hook. We've been brought straight in, right into the household of God. We have confident access through who? Jesus Christ. You're hidden in him. You're found in him. This is why we believe in Jesus. This is why we sing about Jesus. This is why we proclaim him and tell others about him. Because actually... We are so unworthy of this, but God is wanting us to receive this without feeling bad for it. <laughs> without feeling any niggling sense of, oh, really, Lord, I don't feel like I deserve it. He has freely lavished and given us his son to bring us into the family, the household of God. New clothing, new garments, you've got new armor. You can walk around the house freely, knowing that you're there. House prepared for you, placed in heaven, Jesus Christ. He's got one prepared. This is extraordinary stuff. So I say to you guys, have you considered Jesus? 
Have you considered the gospel? Have you considered this is for you? Like I said earlier, one died for all, therefore all died. It's a free gift. No strings attached. Repent, turn away from sins, believe in Jesus. That's it. Access through faith. And God is the one who gives us the faith as well. He does it all. He's beautiful. He does everything for us. He works on our behalf. He works on our behalf. And again, to Christians today, we're Christians, we're in Christ today. As you probably have heard before, we don't graduate from the gospel. But I just wanted to say it again. We don't, go, we don't kind of move on to something else uh, other than Jesus. Um, if you found recently you've loosened your grip, I encourage you to refasten it. Refasten, take hold. The Bible says we've got to take hold, hold fast, our confession. Hold fast, take hold of the eternal life to which you've been called. Get our grip back on Jesus. It's part of our defense. It's part of our defense from the day and night accusations from the enemy. Revelation 12. It says, day and night he accuses us. And you probably know about it. Of course you know about it. Day and night, whispering this, whispering that, lying about this, lying about that. Seems believable. We believe it. We get caught up in things. Thinking, well, how did we get here? Day and night. But it says that how did we overcome them? It says in Revelation 12, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and did not love their own lives unto death. By Jesus' blood, by our word, the word of our testimony. So we're declaring, we're saying, now this isn't who we are now. This is where we've got to speak to ourselves. This is why prayer is important, because we're declaring, not to God, not just ourselves, to the powers amongst us that are wanting to bring us back into bondage. We're saying, no, no, Jesus has done a good work in me. I'm free. And they did not love their own lives unto death. And Jesus said, he needs to, if, you, if you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. If we're holding on to things, Jesus, we're just going to lose it. And we're going to lose it on the final day. You know, wood, hay, straw. We'll just get blown, you know, the, the fire when it tests it. We want to be able to uh, keep trusting in Jesus and keep looking to the Lord so that we can deal with these accusations that we get. Secondly, put on Christ. Uh, we heard from Tim last week, helpfully. I'm just going to make mention of it again. And it's probably some of these things I'm sharing, guys, probably things you're familiar with and I trust you know, that you've, you've known about. But as the Apostle Peter says, to say the same things to you uh, is, is, not, is not like a, it's actually like a safeguard. And you, I'm just stirring you up by way of reminder for the things that, you know, that, we've, that we know to know. Um, he talks about the armor of God, that the armor represents someone, namely Christ. So stand in him. See yourself in your new set of armor that God has given you. And in doing so, see that Christ has been gifted to you. Christ has been gifted to you. When you wear, when you wear your armour, it's just, it's, it's, I'm in Christ. You know, he's our helmet, our shield, our sword, as I was saying a bit earlier. We need to stand in his finished work. You know, Jesus said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do, to his Father in John 17. He's, he's done the work, we just stand in it. It's, our, it's, our, it's our, what our work is to stand. <laughs> the work is to receive. Our work is to keep holding on to him. And for example, of just how we incorporate prayer into this. So we're thinking about putting on Christ. Sometimes there's, there's been days where I just, it's kind of like prayer and declaration. You ever had a time where you're just declaring some things? People declare a lot of things. But sometimes in your own life, in your own prayer, you've got to declare some things to God, to one another. You've got to declare the truth over your life because sometimes you are feeling vulnerable. For example, I would sometimes in the start of a day before I go to work, you know, I'm praying for opportunities. Yes, I'm praying God will open up doors. But also saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm a new creation in Christ. I thank you that nothing can separate you from your love. I thank you, Lord, as far as the east is from the west, so far you've removed my transgression from me. And what I'm doing, I'm trying to tell my soul when it's, when it's just woken up, when it's a bit sleepy, I'm a bit tired, I'm telling my soul what's really going on, who, who, who you're really about, about Jesus. 
It's about his love, because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're reminding our soul to catch up with what the Spirit is saying, because the Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The flesh will just say, no, 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 we'll just keep you down and quite tired. And, and you can be a bit complacent. That's why we do learn to speak to our souls about who we are in Christ. Okay, so coming into our final point, and this is where we're going to go somewhere, and I, I just I, I feel quite strongly about this. Um, the third point is going to be pray and obey. Pray and obey. And, you know, the apostle said he's an ambassador, he's in chains, and we're going to look at witnessing now. Before we even look at witnessing, we're going to look to address something, which I think is so prevalent in our culture, which is the fear of man. It's so, so real. It's just such a... There's different, fa- different levels of it, different degrees... How do we deal with it? The Bible says it's a spirit of fear. So it's a spirit. So our willpower, our human effort doesn't shift it. It's not just sometimes we can go off in our own strength. But actually, we need something greater than that. Greater than that to shift this. And it's something that we have to resist. And it's something we need to walk forward towards. Because if you've ever been in sinking sand, guys, you know, when you see in the movies, I haven't actually been in it myself, but like you just, you need to get out. And everyone's, you know, everyone's going, ah, I need to get out of this. And everyone's, come on, keep going. And um, you think about sinking sand. You know, like, you just, you don't, you don't want to go underneath, right? You just don't, because you just know that could be the end. But the thing about the fear of man is, it's like sinking sand that you're not aware of. The thing about it is, is actually, it's like a pattern of thinking. It's like a, a thought, it's a way of thinking that is so ingrained that we think it's who we are. We think it's normal. We think it's, actually, I, I won't even say hello to that person because I, I just can't. Have you ever considered, have you ever addressed, what even is that? It's so engrossed, so pervasive. We don't even know that we're in it. And we, as, a, as Christians, I'm going to look at some very ordinary, natural ways that we can, we can live, we can walk out of this. We can come out of the fear of man. And we need to be intentional. And we need, to be the, and need, and we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. For example, out and about, having your head up, looking around, seeing what's going on. Sometimes you could have the earphones in, and you know, walking around, doing your, doing your jobs, and you, you haven't even looked up to say hello to anyone. This could be an example that could be for yourself. Nothing wrong with putting your headphones in, nothing wrong with getting jobs done. What I'm saying is, just being a bit more aware, a bit more surrounded. What's going on, Lord? Secondly, smile at someone. Maybe, it's just, maybe you're at the place where you just need to smile. Go up to them, just smile at them. And they may not smile back. Okay, don't let that stop you from... Keep smiling at people. What we're trying to do, guys, we're just little steps, really, of just training ourselves out of this fear. Of just like, we, that's not who I am. No, no, look, we look at, we find that we're in Christ. Secondly, say hello in passing. Many a times I said hello to people. I said hello. They've walked away and ignored me. And it's like, oh no, like, what have I said? Is it, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, it's just, it can really get into you. Like, you have to be just really careful that, again, we don't take rejection personally. We, we don't. We just, okay, we're going to keep pressing on because this is about Jesus at the end of the day. Second, another step. Stay hello, stop, see to having a conversation. Just go up and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you all right? It may just be some small talk, but we celebrate the small talk. You may, just, you may be on, out of all them three or four stages. You may not be in any of those, but what I'm trying to say is, guys, go ahead. Give it a go. Take the journey with God. I had to take that journey personally. I haven't arrived, not at all. What I'm saying is it gets easier. It gets easier. And also, we do want to progress in our relationship with people. We do want to sow gospel seeds. We do want to see them watered. Example, seed having a conversation with someone. Pray for a way in. I remember at times where the power of the seed, we're not just in a park or in a train, been in different places, just shared a bit. Two years later, I'm hearing that people are on alpha courses. I'm like, wow, 
That's so good, God. How you brought the growth. And God doesn't always show us that. We're called to be faithful with what God does show us with. I remember a time, have you had a Christian sandwich before? Where there's a Christian and there's a Christian. And there's someone who's not a Christian, right? I remember when I trained in London. I just felt God was telling me to share things with this guy. And he was like, no, don't tell me these things. No, stop. I was like, all right. Because there's a time that you do take a step back. We're not, we're not called to contend with a person without cause. Our enemy is not people at the end of the day. We're just, we just here to be obedient to God. And then the other lady, I didn't know at the time, she was a Christian and she was saying, you need to listen to him. And it was so wonderful because you're thinking, wow, like you're just on a train and it's just, just an example. There's probably it's loads of different, I'm sure we've all got different stories and stuff. But what I'm saying is there's something is when we do open our mouths and we do grow to learn and just kind of getting over ourselves in some, some, some ways, actually, we, we actually can see some fruit for some of this stuff. So we're going to get rejected, but let's keep pressing on. It does get easier and it's different fears for different people. You know, and I, I say, guys, it, it's not something like we have to like whip up. Again, the Bible says the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You just fill your heart with this. Just read this. You don't even need to. You won't even. It doesn't. It just becomes easier to share. It doesn't feel like you're sharing from guilt or you're sharing. Oh, I, sh- I should be doing this. We don't want to be sharing from guilt. Jesus doesn't want to share from guilt. You know, he doesn't want us doing that. He wants us just the overflow of our hearts. Our love for the Lord. It's just. It's just a natural flow. Um, like I say, there's a spiritual warfare going on, spirituality, spiritual consequences. Um, you know, think about the sphere of influence in your, in your own life, you know, your workplace, your neighbourhood. You may not see many people each day. Maybe you see one person. But just sort of praying. Again, this is why we're looking to pray at all times. We're praying and just getting our mindset shifted, our change towards let's thinking more openly and outwardly uh, to the lives of those around us. Um, so the band just want to get himself ready. I'm um, just going to wrap up here. Um, just to think, guys, if three, four hundred of us, say, in our church, were, were openly sharing or openly having a mindset to, just, to, to, to consider um, being intentional uh, with the Lord, like, just to think about when you wake up, just asking God for opportunities, asking God, how can you... And I, I just think, like, wow, what, what would that look like amongst us in our town? We'd probably find that, oh, so-and-so spoke to this person, and it would just cause this overflow where God will just bring growth, and there'll be this, this, this extraordinary harvest amongst us. So we're just learning to open our mouths. And guys, on that journey, maybe you can identify where you're at on that journey. And I encourage you, like I said, just to, just to do the steps with Jesus, just to go with him at his pace. Yeah, this isn't me trying to tell everyone like you need to go out in some ways I'm telling you to go out and step out and get out of your comfort zone but it isn't just like you know like some kind of guilt thing and I'm just saying guys this is just part of who we are foundational things prayer gospel sharing just who we are as Christians Um, and just finally obedience is success and not the outcome okay when you lay hands on someone you know when you're sharing your testimony you know when you're sharing Jesus actually obedience is the success the outcome belongs to Jesus if people get healed, the outcome's on the Lord, because we don't do that, right? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> we don't do that, but we just, we just go in, in his authority, in his name. We share in testimony. People don't respond well. People may not even respond well at times. Like, again, let's not take it personally, because the enemy will do all that he can to quiet us, to keep us quiet from even telling others about Jesus. Because why? He's, it's two different kingdoms, right? Opposition against God. He wants us to bring us back into bondage. So... Let us move together as a church family and see the kingdom of God advance in our town. Amen? Amen.